grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series that's called, Called, Here I Am, Send Me, based on Isaiah chapter 6. And today, Pastor Sean Azaro asks the question, how do you see God? As a kind old man, maybe as angry and judgmental. What if you instead built your perspective of God based on the truth of the Bible? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message, Exalted. Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah 6 and 1 Peter. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. But it's interesting, even those of us who do acknowledge and believe in a personal God who has a relationship with us, sometimes we can have differing and unusual images of God. How do you see him? Do you see God as maybe a kindly, permissive old man who just wants everyone to be nice to each other? You know, I mean, he's, he's just, he, he's, he doesn't like sin, but he's not going to do anything about it because doggone it, y'all are so cute, you. I mean, really, we get, this, we get this warped view of grace and we kind of twist things around. We just think of God as this kind of absent-minded, kindly old man who just wants everyone to be nice. And you talk to people and go, oh, yeah, man, God's cool. He's so cool. And he's all right. He's all right. And they have this, this kind of low view of God. There's no respect. There's no fear of the Lord. You know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where wisdom starts. Like now, when you fear the Lord, you are aligning yourself with reality. I had a guy one time, it was a baby dedication, and this guy wasn't, you know, I don't know that he was a believer, but the family wanted the baby to be dedicated, and we did, and they said all the right things, and I got to that place, and I, I said at some point, and it was just them, it was just them, and I was there kind of dedicating their baby, and they had some family there. And uh, I said, do you promise to raise your child to love, fear, and honor the Lord? And he kind of says to me, no, man, I'm not gonna do that. I, don't, I don't want my kid to fear anything. And, you know, as a pastor, that's one of those weird moments. Okay, I should have probably rebuked him there in public, given him a good rebuking. Because he said it just to me. It was kind of a quiet thing. I didn't. Okay, I kind of soldiered on, which we pastors do, and then I talked to him afterwards because he had a gross misunderstanding of the fear of God. He looked at the fear of God as, you know, it's like a kid with an alcoholic parent. They're afraid of, of him doing something crazy, and they're walking, and, and they're just like that kind of fear. That's not what the fear of God is. The fear of God recognizes that God is high and exalted and above anything else, anyone else, and how different he is than us. You know, it, it's, it understands that he is the king and he's exalted. That's what the fear of God does. And, and, and it has this sense of reverence and awe in his presence. And the whole kindly old man, absent-minded old man who just wants everybody to be nice doesn't really, that's kind of shaping a God of our own choosing. Or maybe you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum, an angry, judgmental God looking for his chance to condemn everyone to hell. Sadly, some people get that view because of churches they've been in or because of parents who had a broken view of God. And so they push onto God these feelings they have. And they have this twisted view of God as angry 
and vindictive. Maybe you see God is just on the decline. He's kind of falling out of fashion. You know, we've kind of evolved beyond that. Some people just see God as a great hashtag to throw in so people on Twitter know you're spiritual. That's a good one. How do you see him? Do you see him as he truly is? See, Isaiah needed a vision to be reminded. Do you? He needed to be reminded who it is he served before he went out to serve because how I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. How do you see him? Isaiah learned a couple things that he would share with us, and then I think we can make very personal. First thing, the God I serve is the king who is enthroned. That vision, he's seated on a throne, high and lifted up. The first thing he recognized instantly, the God I serve is king, and he is enthroned. Look at what David wrote, 1 Chronicles 29, 11, 12. He said, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Do you believe that about God? The Apostle Paul did too. Look what he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.70. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish the last verse. In your hands are strength, power to exalt and give strength to all. Look what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 17. He said, now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The king eternal, he's God forever. He's God forever. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's everywhere. He's the only God. And he deserves all the glory and honor forever and ever. Psalm 9, 7 and 8 says, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne, listen to this, for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness, and he judges the people with equity. You see, he is king over all. He is king over all. He is king eternal. All things come from him. Everything, everything we have, we owe to him. The house, you may love your house, it's his, because it came from him. Car came from him. Our ability to make wealth, our children, our families, they all came from him. And you're like, well, I don't believe that. Do you realize what you believe doesn't change the reality one bit? Seriously, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive, I'm not trying to be offensive. It's just effortless for me, I guess. <laughs> Let it settle in. Sometimes the truth is offensive in a world that says, truth is what I say. I know my truth. I know my truth. That's the most ridiculous statement in the world. He is the king. All things do come from him. These things that we hold on to and save their mind, one day they will be left to someone else. Things were here before we came. They'll be here after we're gone. And in that passage, he said, he's the one who judges all things. He judges all things. Some people are like, oh my gosh, judgment? Are you kidding? He's the one who judges all things. He is God and he is king and he is the one and only. One of our biggest challenges with this idea, other than in praise songs, but when it comes to reality in our lives, one of our challenges is this, because we have a problem with authority. The very core of the sin nature is rebellion, and we struggle 
with authority. We struggle with God's authority. We struggle with human authority. We have an issue with authority. If we don't like the authority, we just go find another authority. And the internet's so beautiful that way, because if you don't like one authority, you can find some whack job who will say whatever you want to say and will agree with you. And they'll, they can, they'll come off as an authority. Oh, look, I'll follow this authority now. What it really is, is we're moving towards this weird kind of anarchy. We struggle with authority. See, the scripture says we are to be submitted to the governing authorities here on earth. That's what it says. It's crystal clear. We are to be submitted to the governing authorities. And some of you are like, well, you mean if we like it, right? Because if we don't like it, we don't have to. I mean, that's obvious. Everybody knows that. Yeah, no, it doesn't say that. We are to be submitted to the governing authorities. So I, I don't care if you love the person in the White House. Or I don't care if you can't stand the person in the White House. It doesn't matter. The scripture says all authority comes from God. You know that, right? And you're like, but, but it's so imperfect. Do you understand that's all God has to work with? <laughs> really? I mean, that's all he has to work with. It's a bunch of people. We're all imperfect. I used to get really annoyed. And I mean, it's been every presidency, but I I saw it and it just took on some tones that I was uncomfortable with during the Obama administration. And I know a lot of people were conservative. And when I would hear kids, when I would hear children speak disrespectfully about President Obama, by the way, you can dislike Obama's policies. You can dislike President Obama's way he did it. You can think he was dishonest and he had another agenda. You can think his deals were ridiculous. You can, that's all fair game. That's all fair game. But when I heard children speaking disrespectfully and just flippantly and rudely about the president, I knew where it came from, okay? I knew where it came from. It came from parents. And it was wrong. We're not told to trash those in authority over you. I'm pretty sure that's not what the scripture says. It seems we're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to pray for God to, to, to bless them with wisdom and for people to come into their lives to, to encourage them and maybe correct them and give them guidance. That's what we're supposed to do. See, we're not called to trash them. And it bothered me because it was teaching children to disrespect authority, which is broken and undermines everything that a culture has that holds us together. And you know where I'm going with this. Because it's taken on a whole new flavor right now. And what is happening by the way people are handling our president is one of the greatest embarrassments in our country's history and is undermining the very core of our republic, our democratic republic. It, it is. And, folks, I get it, okay? When I heard Donald Trump was going to be president, I was like, well, we do. We live in a reality TV show now. It's, it's official now. I mean, I, that's where I was at. I, I was like, I could not believe it. But do you understand, I I told people under President Obama, I said, God allowed him to be an authority. Because God is God, he could have stopped it if he wanted, God allowed him to be authority. And I'm just going to blow some of your heads off right now. God has allowed Donald Trump to be president. Some of you are like, no way, no way. Nope, nope. God fell asleep, Hillary fell asleep, but God must have fallen asleep too. 
And that's how it happened. I just want to say to you, if you're part of the resist movement, according to Scripture, you are resisting God. And that's a really bad place to be. You're like, but it's on my Facebook banner. I suggest you take it down. Because that is not what we are called to be about. That is not what we're called to do. I understand our president is like nobody we've ever seen before. Honestly, you know, it's almost like you get the government you deserve. Seems I've read that somewhere. I mean, to be honest with you, he's, he's, he's sometimes shameless. He's very unconventional. He's sometimes rude. I'm just like manners, man, just manners. But I got to tell you, it's also probably true that some of the things he's done, some of the things he's implemented have been good for the country. And, and you, you can, hey, I don't want to, no, no, no cheering, no cheering, no cheering presidents here. We're, we're going to cheer Jesus in a minute, okay? We're not going to cheer presidents right now. Yeah, okay, let's go ahead and cheer Jesus. I, I don't want, this is not about politics. You're like, oh no, this is definitely about politics. This is not about politics. It's how we handle authority, which is, goes to the core of who we are. It goes to the core of what we believe. If you believe that Obama, President Obama was in charge then you're wrong. God was. If you think Trump is in charge, President Trump, you are wrong. God is. And this shows how we view God. What's our vision of God? And it shows how we view authority. We have a problem with the king because we have a problem with authority. And folks, this cut shows up everywhere. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Exalted in the series called Here I Am, Send Me, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion of the message, Exalted. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. I, I think I may have shared with you that the state of California had this formal policy. We are not going to enforce U.S. immigration law in the state of California. And they made an official statement. We're not going to do that. We're going to take a stand. We're not going to do that. And then they were stunned when some of their cities within California said, well, we are. When you rebel against authority, don't be surprised when someone rebels against your authority. If all you ever do is trash authority, be careful, because when you get in authority, you've been undermining the very platform you hope to stand on. It's how it has to work. You don't have to, again, folks, we don't have to agree. We, have, we, we are just lucky as can be. We live in an amazing nation where we can influence those things. 
we have a process by which we can influence. Thank God. But as bad as you think our government may be, let me tell you something, Roman Empire was way worse. And Jesus never said, you need to rise up and overthrow. You need to stand up, you need to resist. Jesus never did that. He taught us how to live. He taught us how to understand there is a greater power that no matter how powerful you may think the emperor is, the president is, the governor, whomever it is, no matter how powerful you think they may be, there is a king who is overall. And he's on the throne. And that's a game changer. That changes everything. God is in charge. He's king. He never takes votes or polls, which can be off-putting, I know. But he doesn't. Our opinions of him don't change the reality at all. And what's interesting, and now it gets real personal here, okay? His place as king naturally defines my place as subject. If I declare him king, I am also declaring myself subject. That means my life is about serving the king. So in my ministry, I'm not a volunteer. I'm a subject. I'm a servant of the king. And don't get me wrong, we love our volunteers around here. Our volunteers are awesome, and we are very, very grateful for all of our volunteers and for all that they do. We are so grateful. But the fact is, the only difference between volunteer staff and paid staff around here is just the amount of time you're able to give. With the, the full-time staff, fill roles that require a full-time job, and we, they need to be paid so that they can take care of their families and things like that. But they are no more called than volunteers are called because we're all subject to the king. I'm not a volunteer. I'm a servant. I'm a subject of the king. See, how I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. Do you see him as king enthroned? Second. So important. The God I serve is holy. The God I serve is holy. He is king who's enthroned, but he's also holy. The seraphim cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I think to understand your calling, you have to understand the character of the God who's called you. You have to understand the character of the God who's called you. Remember last time we said the most important part of your calling is not the call, but it's the caller. Well, his character matters. Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? The answer is obviously, well, no one. The answer is no one. Revelation 15, 4. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. See, he is holy. You know what holiness means? You know what holy means? It means pure, complete, lacking nothing. He's fully righteous. There's no one else like him. That's what holiness means. There is none other who is morally pure and righteous and holy like God. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't take shortcuts. He doesn't have loopholes. I actually had a guy who was dating a woman, and he, they wanted to live together and be sexually active together before marriage. I told them, the Bible said that's sin. And he's like, well, isn't there some kind of loophole? I mean, are, are you, seriously? <laughs> I mean, I laughed. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> You've got guts. Yes, a little loophole called marriage. There it is. It's called marriage and commitment. Fidelity, look it up. Yeah, see, he's holy. That's who he is. 
This is who has called us. This is who we serve. And understand, what that means is we will always follow the call and we will always serve in his character. We are called to walk and work in his holiness. 1 Peter 1, 14-16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And I've told you before, this can be discouraging. Be holy because I am holy. Well, yeah, I know, Jesus, you, you walked on water, you know. You, rose the, you ra- raised people from the dead. Okay, I can't do that. Remember who dwells in us? Remember his spirit that dwells in us, the Holy Spirit? His spirit is in us. I think we can read this, be holy because I am holy in you. That's how we are holy, in him, not in us, in him. I mean, honestly, if we understood this, if we remembered his character, so many of the things that we did that were an embarrassment, a humiliation to the body of Christ wouldn't happen. See, we can't do God's work man's way. We can't promote in man's way and hope that God will bless it. We can't can't do our finances the way the world does it and hope that God will bless it. We can't use man's methods and hope to get God's results. It's a whole different thing that's going on. And we've got to understand the character of who it is we serve. How I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. Last thing we need to see, so important that God showed the prophet. The glory of the God I serve fills the whole earth. Not just the temple, not just the church. It fills the whole earth. The glory of the God I serve fills the whole earth. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. It's like they're preaching a sermon every night. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They share who he is. Romans 1, remember what he said? What Paul wrote, he said, Since creation, his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen through what has been made. He says, because that men have no excuse. You can't say I didn't know. Because simple common sense looks at creation and says something has to be behind this. You have to do incredible, prideful, ridiculous intellectual distortions to say all this happened by accident. See, the important thing for us as we follow our calling we act like his reign and his power stop when we exit the church doors. It's like, God is exalted here. Oh, it feels great here. But then we go out there. Oh, God, you better stay here. It's kind of ugly out there. I'll take care of it. I'll duke it out, and then I'll come back, and you can clean me off at the end of the week. What the prophet was, what was open to him is the fact that the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. The glory of the Lord fills your office. And you're like, woo, woo, time out, preacher, time out. That's not possible. Yes, it is, because he's got you there, and his presence is in you. And he wants to do things, glorious things, and he's already there. And what you don't know is that boss who you maybe think is a pain in your side, that, that, that co-worker, whomever it is, you know he's been working in their heart. He's been convicting them. He's been calling them. He's been working. Maybe all it takes is for you to step up and begin to pray, for you to begin to reach out and befriend, invite, hang out. Just share a little bit of what God's done in you. See, there's a confidence in serving the God whose glory fills the whole earth. And we've got to get rid of this timid insecurity that says, oh, no, no, we huddle up in here and we're safe in here, and then out there we just got to, got to kind of make it through. No, God's out there. We need to be people who have the confidence that we serve the God whose glory fills the whole earth. 
And that's how we should carry out our mission. See, we should expect his power to work on behalf of his people. And and here's the important key. The key is to align yourself with what he's doing, not the other way around. Not to ask him to align himself with what you're doing. You know, a prayer that's kind of a problem, Lord, bless my plan. God, bless my plan. Yeah, that's kind of a messed up prayer. It's like the old bumper stickers that said, God is my co-pilot. I've told you I hate that, right? God is my co-pilot. And I'm sorry if you ever had one of those bumper stickers on, but seriously, the almighty, the great I am, the alpha and the omega is the co-pilot. You're the pilot. God, I'll let you know if I need anything. I mean, come on. God, bless my plan. God, I want to do these three things. And, and, and Lord, just bless them. God, I want to invest in this. God, I want to do this. God, I want to... How about instead we say, God, what's your plan? And help me to get involved in that. Do you realize that's how you tap into the glory of the Lord that is manifest all around you? God, what's your plan? And now I'm going to align myself with what you're doing. And all of a sudden I see this spiritual power and synergy begin to happen. We need a different vision of the Lord. Because how I serve the Lord will always reflect how I see the Lord. I want to challenge you. Seek a vision of Him and then seek your calling. Let's not get that out of order. We all want to know God's will. I want to suggest how about we understand who He is, who it is that we're serving. We understand His character, His nature, His throne, His role. Understand who He is, and then we'll understand our calling. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called Called, Here Am I, Send Me. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.